Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I'm Mike Schaefer, joined by Brian Christofferson, Michael Brunts. It is a Wednesday morning, the end of February, the last podcast before football starts again. Woo. And there's plenty to discuss. We have a new coach. I've already forgotten how to pronounce his name. I believe it's Tony <laughs> Tuioti. Tony Tuioti. Got it. He, BC just says that like he's been saying the name his whole I've life. I've been practicing it in my head on, for on like the, the on last On the drive two over. Tuioti. <laughs> That's how he, he couldn't figure out where we were at. It's like a Rain Man thing. He just I was keeps thinking, saying the name over and over I was thinking you're on a different street. Yeah, sorry about that. He went to your old house. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> just standing there on the doorstep waiting to be let in. Those poor people, whoever they are. Well... We don't have to worry about those people. What we're going to worry about is our podcast listeners, and we're going to tell them about Nebraska's new defensive line coach. Can preview the upcoming spring football session. Uh, lightly discuss whether Nebraska baseball will play a home game or practice outside before the spring game happens. They won't. Well, that's the end of that discussion. And we're going to completely ignore Nebraska basketball. But first, banter. What do we got? I don't have much for banter. Um I feel like my face is just gonna crack. It's so dry out. That, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Am I the like my lips? It's just ridiculous. Yeah. And I'm not a chapstick person, so this is you're just Tom kiting it over there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a, kiting it. Wow, it's an appreciated reference over here. Probably not by like a high percentage of listeners, but I I, I like to think that. about that. Yeah. <laughs> chapstick guy yep it's definitely uh it's dry did you guys enjoy scooping or as brunt says shoveling i i it was heavy snow i was i was pushing there was no scooping i got that old man back going on how do you push if it's heavy snow doesn't that work against it just kind of lean up against something and get some (laughs) leverage you don't have any leverage you're a twig that's true you got nothing going for you here i'm just like a scarecrow out in the middle of a snowdrift (laughs) I was thinking more of the things they put outside the cars, car lots. <laughs> the, the wacky, wavable, inflatable tube guy. That's what you look like out yeah. there. Yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of snow. I was I was mad. Somebody decided on Sunday early morning to just drive into my driveway oh. and turn around. Mm. So, you know, my whole... Did you see him do it? No. I, when I went out there, I was like pissed. Just raving like a lunatic. How, tr- how triggered were you at that picture that I sent? I, I thought you could have done a better job. Okay, I sent Schaefer a picture of the ice down yeah, I don't, I tire like tracks it. in my driveway. I, I just I I don't care for it. You, you got to keep that stuff clean. Otherwise, you can slip and fall. Someone could get hurt. It's carelessness. I just never leave the house. That's, well, that's my solution. To clearly, this you did just to go outside and drive through the driveway. Oh, it wasn't me. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I, haven't, I haven't left my house since like the first signing day yeah there you go it's only a couple months ago yep do you think you'll leave again before football season doubtful well the good news is it's just tuesday so. yes yes again doubtful we're we're coming up on it brian any thoughts on the the recent snow uh no i i i just did exactly only what i had to do as far as shoveling so like there's still a ton of snow in my driveway but there's like this narrow i basically measured out the width of my car and 
So yeah, I have to drive it exactly straight, and it's kind of a obstacle course at the very end. <laughs> getting in, you kind of gotta, you know, bump bump your way. You gotta put over. the mir- you gotta reach roll down the window, pull the mirrors in, <laughs> yeah. just so you don't. I did. I, I uh, I made room for the mirrors, but just, uh, I'm not hearing a lot of commitment from you guys in the the driveway. Here. I wasn't here during the weekend, so you should ah. you should have seen it when uh, I when you rolled up. I arrived Sunday night back home, and it was just like the fight of my life to get it in the garage i said i'm doing this and i just powered ahead in my little 2004 <laughs> you didn't just Toyota. park it and start scooping at that point no I, I i was gonna get in and i made a mistake of stopping like 10 feet oh, short no. so then i had to reverse and go and Ooh. you could smell my car like saying why are you doing this to me <laughs> got in there though no well, you made it yeah you got here today well I think that's uh, that's all anybody's going to stomach on this. Let's just dive right into Tony Tuioti. Close. Nailed it. Yeah. All right. All right. We're, it's, we're like you, it's like you've known him your whole life. Relocating because of the weather. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if if nothing else, definitely seems like a great time to come here if you spent your last several years in California and before that. He was at Michigan. He knows what he's getting into. Mm-hmm. So uh, which one of you wants to break down Nebraska's new defensive line coach? Ron Stewart. Well, um, so Tony Tuioti. Uh, the Berkeley bros. Yeah. Spent uh, three, two years at Cal. Three, he was going two, into yeah. year three. Um, before that, was at Michigan. Spent some time in Hawaii. Uh, a very, very brief stop at Fresno State before going to Cal. Um, probably the right amount of time to be there. <laughs> this is true. This is very true. Um, he was probably there too long. Um, the... An interesting hire because there's not, you know, an obvious, you know, he worked with somebody on the staff. There's not, you know, some connection there that you, you know, makes a ton of sense. But uh, a young guy in his early 40s, um, coached defensive line, has coached outside linebackers. Uh, he has roots uh, in recruiting the, the Polynesian players, which uh, people have been begging for in Nebraska for a number of years. Uh, and, and, you know, a, a guy that, to me, when, when you look at the guys he coached with at, at Berkeley, I mean, that, that's kind of what sticks out the most to me. I mean, Tim DeRuiter, who's a very good defensive coordinator who coaches the 3-4, is there. Uh, Justin Wilcox, the head coach, uh, kind of a similar type background of 3-4 defensive guy. Uh, so th- that's intriguing to me. You bring that kind of a, you know, experience to, to that room and, you know, it's 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 always tough when you hire a new coach because everybody's like, oh, this, this is a great hire. You, you never really know, but it seems like there's boxes that are checked that I, I think, what? It's a brunt phrase. Checking boxes? Yeah. Checks the boxes. I mean, there's on the podcast, there's someone who checks boxes off on things like me mispronouncing, you checking boxes. Yeah. But he does check BC boxes. BC runs the stories. Yeah. BC <laughs> Hall Metro sports stories. Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, it's. I, I think there's enough there that when you kind of look at it at first glance, that that it's an, definitely an intriguing hire. Yeah, I think the resume kind of speaks exactly what you want. You know, I I always laugh. I mean, we discussed this before. People get so fired up about these assistant hires that it's going to be someone they know of, and I could name you probably five total defensive line coaches in college football. I just don't. I don't think that there's that wealth of knowledge out there. From you know even someone like me, let alone the average fan. So the people that get really into it, 
and they're just like, oh, they should go get this guy or they go get that guy. And then it's almost always someone that you've never heard of. And then within 20 minutes, everyone's jazzed and excited about it because <laughs> all of a sudden they're, they're coaching for Nebraska. You know, you get fired up for that. So, or it's, well, I, I trust Frost. Frost's going to make the right decision. Or I got a few, uh, why hasn't this guy stayed anywhere for a decent amount of time? He really moves around and it's like, you do pay attention to yeah. like the college coaching world, right? This is pretty normal. Right. But it, and another great example of this, like this is a really strong example of how when someone says, well, they should go get a former Husker defensive line player. Yeah. Well, none of them have the background this guy does. Like think of all the things he's done. He's been a coach in Hawaii. He's been a high school coach. He's been done the defensive line, the outside linebackers. He coached the Pac-12. He was involved in the recruiting operation at Michigan. He was a quality control coach in the NFL. Like when I was laughing about Brunt saying he checks all the boxes, like he does. I mean, this is a really good background to someone who's in his early 40s that I think works really well with what they wanted to go do, and that's someone that can build relationships in recruiting and can develop defensive linemen. And I, I think, too, that the fit part of it w- was really important for the staff. I mean, you you look at the fact that they have been together for going on four years now. Um, you know, the, I, I think, you know, you, you were going to see guys start to leave. But I, I think when you're a coach coming into a situation where you're the, you're the new guy anyways, but you're the new guy to a group that's been together for a long time, you know, I, I think Scott Frost needed to get a good fit and a good feel for you know, just personality-wise. How is he going to you know, mesh with that group? And from talking to people who cover Cal, um, you know, he, he was a guy that was really loved by his players, um, you know, got a lot out of them. I mean, that there's not a lot of highly ranked guys on Cal's defensive line, but you, you look at what they did over the last couple of years. I mean, they were a top 15 defense last year. And they were terrible uh, before Justin Wilcox got there, like, you know, 127th or something like that in the country, real bad. And, you know, they, they, they made that work. I, I think the development you could see. And, you know, it, it's, you know, people point to, to guys that he recruited. And I think it's, it, Berkeley's a tough place to recruit to, especially for line talent, because, you know, you have, a, a kind of a sneaky high academic bar that you have to clear. Is it that sneaky? I feel like it. I, I think pretty pe- well known that it's yeah, a but well I, I academic don't, institution. I don't think people really you know would put it up there with like Northwestern or you know right. But, it, but it's higher but than it's, a place like UCLA. Right, right. And you know, if you look at the skill talent that they had on that roster, you can find that in droves in California, but maybe not so much the line talent. So you know, I, I think he's. Having a place like Nebraska to recruit to, I, I think he's going to have connections in Las Vegas that'll be important. Utah is another area that he's recruited well, so I, I think that uh, he's going to be able to do pretty well in that that part of it. Well, I asked on our board the question: if you had to put your strength points on a coach, with it being a developer or a recruiter, like that's his strongest suit. It was, I mean, most everybody, there's a few exceptions, but most everybody said developer, um, a guy who can teach and uh, build guys. And so I think that's exactly what Scott Frost went out and found. And I think at some point, like Schaefer was saying, when you only know, when we only know four or five, six D-line coaches in the country, you you, you kind of take 
the word of the head coaches who know a little something and do their research that they they uh, they probably found a good guy, especially when it's more than one head coach in this case. Because Scott Frost liked this guy, Justin Wilcox liked this Jim guy. Jim Deruder really liked him. Deruder obviously liked him because they were connected before Cal. Jim Harbaugh liked him to put him in charge of his recruiting department, more or less. So uh, that's a pretty strong little group of coaches, I would say, giving you an endorsement over basically a three- or four-year span. Not to mention, he's 42 years old, and not that he had to be a certain age, but they do sort of have this window of guys over there that are all in their kind of like late mid-late 30s to mid-40s type, with a couple exceptions here or there. Um, so I think he kind of just fits, you know, with what they've got going. When you look at a bunch of, he checks a lot of di- different boxes, you might say. Yeah, <laughs> a lot you of might. boxes. <laughs> you might. A lot of boxes. I one thing that is interesting coming from Cal, they've run that three-four defense. You wouldn't necessarily think this about the Pac-12, but you get to see a lot of different offensive looks, and so you go up against Stanford and Utah that are going to bring something entirely different than. Washington State I I think that's actually a good thing in this regard because I know that you know with some people there's always this concern about oh well does he know what it's going to be like when you have to go against the Big Ten offensive linemen and and Big Ten offenses and I feel like given what he's seen from Stanford in two years and some of the other places they've gone against I don't think there's going to be a huge adjustment with the Big Ten plus that experience at Michigan you know that he might have been involved in the recruiting aspect. I'm sure he watched film and was involved in charting things there too. So you're, you usually get more than just a guy hanging out on Twitter or handling on-campus visits when it's a recruiting staffer. Well, and he, he was also part of that that Harbaugh staff that did some things that were pretty unique recruiting-wise. I mean, they annoyed the heck out of a lot of college football programs, but – I mean, they were willing to kind of push the envelope in terms of, you know, how many satellite camps they were going to do, where they were going to go, those kinds of things. And I, I think that kind of having that that type of a uh, background is also helpful. And, and do you guys think that, you know, he's coached defensive line? He's coached – I mean, the, the fact that he's also coached outside linebackers. I think it's big. I think it's really big. Yeah. It's just an, another voice that has experience there. And really, what it does to me is that he's going to be good at identifying guys that can kind of fit in specific roles between the two of them and kind of help you avoid the people that might be tweeners at both spots. That, that's how I feel about it anyways. Yep. I'm, I, I think it, it seems like a good hire to me. I, I think some people, if there was any reservations from some, I think it was solely based on the idea that the guy who was at Alabama – uh, got his name, you know, he was tweet, he tweet liked a few things with Nebraska in it. And so people kind of got their head around, oh, they're going to hire a guy who was just at Alabama. And so that takes on a certain perception or whatever. But who cares? I mean, it, you got to like, you got to look at the guys closely and see who fits what I want to do with this group, of, this staff. And also a guy that might be here a few years. I know he's moved around a little bit, but he's been waiting to get to a blue blood program um, as a full-time assistant. And now he is. So I, I would say there's a good chance, you know, this guy could, you know, he could stick a little while. And he got a nice little pay raise. What do you get? A hundred thousand more than he was getting at Cal, which is worth how much more really? It's, it's like <laughs> basically uh 
<laughs> it's like moving to another country almost yeah. in, in terms of like exchange rate. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure he's getting a raise on top of all of it too, right? 100,000. Yeah. Yep. So, yep. Yeah, I mean that that'll go a long way. Dude, that's still under what Dawson was, though, right? Yeah, it's, he was at what 450? 475. Um and uh Toyota is going to make 375. He was making basically 275. So it's like they kind of met in the middle where he was yeah. at Cal and what they're paying Dawson and like like Brunt says it's $100,000 in Lincoln, Nebraska is going to go a whole lot further than it did in Cal Berkeley. Does uh one thing I was kind of wondering the so Nebraska did not get a recruit from California last year. Um, you, you lose Mike Dawson, who was pretty instrumental in, in the Northeast recruiting-wise. You add uh, Tony Tuioti, who coached high school ball in Vegas, um, has connections in Utah. He is obviously familiar with California and having recruited there. Do you Arizona? Arizona. Do you, do you expect? I guess how does that kind of change the re- the recruiting picture for Nebraska whenever you subtract somebody that's really good on one coast and add somebody that's good on another coast? I think it reinforces Arizona as an area where they're going to spend a lot of time. They tried to go into Utah uh, as well, and I think that you're going to see more out of the Salt Lake area too. And so I I look for not a shift in what they're doing, but uh, difference in terms of where some of the guys going forward might come from. I still think they, they want to recruit the Northeast because there's so much talent there. I mean, they want to recruit the whole country. Right. And so it's not like they're turning any specific spot off. But with Tuioti, it gives you a guy that is going to be pretty strong in Arizona, Utah, both Southern and Northern California, which previously you had – Troy Walters handles pretty much all of Southern California, which is a lot for one guy. You had Verduzco in Arizona as a primary contact initially and in the Bay Area, Northern California, and Oregon. So I, I think what it does is it, it you're going to shift Verduzco a little bit, and he's got some connections out East Coast. He coached Rutgers too. So maybe Verduzco is kind of your guy that now you send out to the East Coast a little bit more, um, and you have more of – Tuioti in Arizona, Utah, and California. I, I think they're they're still going to recruit those areas. I'm curious who it is that spends more time in the Northeast, Barrett Root, potentially. You can't send Ryan Held everywhere, so I, I think we can you could try cross him off the <laughs> list. okay with it. Just clone him. Yeah. That's actually their new assistant. It's just Ryan Held's clone. <laughs> 2.0. That one's just going to spend all his time on the road. The other one's just going to spend 70% of his time on the road. So... I'll be curious. You know, that'll certainly be something to watch. I'm going to be checking in with some of the guys they have offers out to in the Northeast as to who is their new contact person. But they have some recruiting staffers that know that area too. So I think that you can still recruit the Northeast, but it does make them a lot stronger Southwest. I always forget too, Frank Verducci is a, a, a New Jersey guy yep. too. Um, and, and he could probably help there as well. And line recruiting too. I mean, he's... Anyways, we want to talk about spring football. Spring ball. Starting Monday. Yeah. We talked about 
specific guys last week kind of like the curiosity yeah, the curious i still haven't put up there yet do you have any list to call <laughs> every, that you would like to throw out this every time, morning right? every morning i get up first thing i do go to go to <laughs> nebraska.247sports.com is that the first thing you do every morning every yeah i don't even get out of bed you don't even put glasses on or nope. anything i just put so that how do you see yeah i just put like, that phone right up to my nose <laughs> okay and, and look for the curious 10 and it hasn't been there. Don't yet. worry, it's going to be coming before the end of February. I can assure you. I feel you. like that was a, a little <laughs> bit of a, a shock. Every and every morning, my or every morning since last Are week, you my, take this? my days just started with a big shoulder, shoulder slouch. Been doing some uh, some old position group breakdowns, but I, the curious ten is coming. But I was not gonna. I was gonna get us away from like specific individuals and Into maybe position groups. Maybe, well, <laughs> it's not that much different, <laughs> but maybe maybe ask about like. Is there, are there subjects or topics to get beyond like individuals that like this spring, like a, that you're really looking for? I mean, is there something, is there like a storyline or two that you'd say, okay, this is what this spring is about? Well, yes. I mean, the biggest thing is they've now spent a year under Zach Duvall. So physically what changes, what do they look like? In some regards, mm-hmm. to me, I and I do this every spring. I immediately go and look at the list of the guys who redshirted and try to figure out which ones are going to be contributors. Because I think a sign of a good, healthy program is that when you lose seniors, you're not depending on just the incoming freshmen, but the ones that have already been in the program that you know spent the year getting bigger, stronger, faster, and also have the knowledge of what it is that's expected of them when they go forward. You look at some of those red shirts, the guys that jump out to you, Miles Jones, Cameron Jones, C.J. Smith if he's healthy, uh, you know, both of the defensive linemen, Casey Rogers, Tate Wildeman, but they kind of were the walking wounded last year. Yeah. So how much did they gain during the fall or in the summer that, that could carry over? I mean, I know they've been working out and everything, but it's uh, it's just kind of a curious Time. I don't want to use curious, that word. Can I go back? Curious. Can I go back? I want to would go back. You, would you say it's a curiosity? I don't. <laughs> uh, it, it's an interesting time uh, in, in regards to some of those red shirts. Yeah. I think if if I were to say, like, okay, just two main topics. One of them is a red, red shirt freshman, um, like you were hitting on. And the other is that group of JUCO guys. I think, I think they're a big part of building depth at certain spots mainly receiver and middle linebacker. But, I mean, Mike Williams and Jerron Woodyard and Will Honus, who I don't know how much we're going to see of him this spring because that surgery happened in October. Yeah, he's only six, six months So out. you would – I mean, we might have to hold the phone on him a little bit. Uh, but those guys, we made such a big deal about them for fair reason because that was a big part of that class – and they haven't yet produced. So you're kind of waiting, is that payoff going to come from them? And if it does, it changes the whole way you look at certain position groups as far as just like, you know, how how is that two deep or three deep represented? So I, w- I would say they're a big part. So you're wanting to know individuals or position groups? I'm making sure. Making well, sure just like storylines or... I, it'll be interesting to see... The the position I'll go to a position group, but I think it represents something larger. That safety group, I'm interested to see how that kind of shakes out because that to me is a group that when you start drilling down into 
what Nebraska's issues were last year with not being able to create turnovers consistently, um, you know, the big plays. That that group needs to be good in, in 2019. Mm-hmm. And I don't know who's going to be I don't know who's going to be there beyond Deontay Williams, and I don't know who's going to be good in that group. And that, to me, is a storyline for the defense, and the biggest storyline for the defense is how do you get that defense that we saw last year playing like the UCF defense did in 2017 where they were creating turnovers, getting sacks, those disruptive plays that Nebraska has to have. I don't know that you're going to be able to really – measure that in any kind of you know way this spring that you're going to draw on it and and say you know this is going to be a a much improved group in 2019 but I think you need to start seeing that depth chart shake out a little bit more than what it is now which is Deontay Williams Jojo Doman playing somewhere on defense some young guys who haven't been counted and have been hurt and guys who have been in the program for a long time who just haven't emerged we talked about it, I think, a little bit last week, that group. But but I, I think that that group and, and kind of what they represent to me is the biggest storyline on defense this year mm-hmm. for Nebraska is, is how do you how do you get disrupted, disruptive and how do you start attacking more rather than just playing All on right. your heels? And on offense, to me, it might be what's the O-line look like everybody who's right of Brendan Hymas? I mean, like, how does that shake out? Like, by week three, yeah, you start. Stole, stole beyond the. Well, <laughs> I'm saying you got your you got your left tackle, and then like, what what, what who who ends up being right? Left guard center. I, I know exactly what you mean. I but in my if, head is like I know I know one other spot right of Brendan Hymas where I feel pretty. I wonder about. if. Uh, I mean, I think what happens with uh, Matt Farniok's going to be big. You know, is is he going to end up at guard or tackle? Uh, do they feel good enough about somebody, whether it's uh, a senior like Christian Gaylord making a big move in his final year, you know, at right tackle, or are you know Ben Hart's not here yet, so you got to wait for that that whole thing to take off. But uh, the whole O line, like it's it's a tough. Some years you can go into it before spring, and you can almost name like four of the five. And you can name three of the five guys who are going to play, but I don't know specifically where they're going to be yet, aside from Hymas being left tackle. And that's, that's, that's what kind of sticks out to me. I guess I'm curious about it. You would say you're curious. Yeah. It is a curiosity. Everything is curious about uh, Nebraska in year two, right? Do, do we see – so after 15 practices and a uh, well-attended spring game – Will we have an an idea of do we see an improved Adrian Martinez? Like, I mean, you had Heisman odds come out yesterday that have him at six to one, which is the the third best odds in the country to win the Heisman. It's amazing, and it's it's strange to see Nebraska like mentioned like that. <laughs> they were after, four and eight last year. Yeah, <laughs> but like, what measurable progress? will you see in, in that spring game or, you know, in very limited glimpses of practice and people saying things to feel like Adrian Martinez is improved? Because he was damn good last year. But what what do you need to see more from him? And what do you need to see that shows that 
you know, there's actually something to back up those six to one odds. I honestly don't know if we're going to be able to tell a lot. That's what I think is going to happen. Um, it's, I do think back like when like somebody like Taylor Martinez was here and after he had a couple of years as being a start under his belt, people can laugh about it now because Taylor Martinez always brings up all sorts of feelings. But when you went over there in the off season, like when he was a junior or senior, you you'd watch him and you'd be like, man, okay, he, he's got, he's figured it out now, like in seven on seven drills where they would look pretty sharp actually. And so I, I just think you're going to see a little more of that. We probably aren't going to see much of the practices, but I bet if you were watching them uh, where it, it just looks crisper, you know, and I think last spring, honestly, you know, even into the fall camp, it, it took a while for him to kind of, find his rhythm passing the football from everything we heard. Like, I, I think he was kind of behind a little bit, and then he got it. So now I just expect him to kind of hit the ground running. Because it's an interesting question because you you look at what – and Mario Verduzco talked to, to us about this uh, over the summer. It was that you know, year one to year two with, with McKenzie Milton, they they got rid of the high ball errors. That that was the the big thing that they had kind of identified with him from his freshman year that they needed to get fixed and fixed quickly. And they focused in on it. They worked on it. They got it fixed. And you know he was off and running his sophomore year. And I'm I'm just curious to hear from from Mario uh, next week if there's something that they've identified with Adrian Martinez that's kind of similar to that. Mm-hmm. Where that's a good question. Um, you know what? What is what is the next step for him? Because I, I think you know I'm sure that you know turnovers are part of that. Um, but you know what, what? What do you do to make that next step? Because that that to me, so much of the of the positivity about the direction of the program last year was based on his play and, and that kind of potential of, of what he could be. I bet you he'll be so improved on a bunch of stuff we don't see. Like Mar- right. Mario behind the scenes, you know, those quizzes he's given and stuff like that. I bet he's just, you know, he'll be spotting stuff right away that he didn't when he first got here, which is only natural. So I, I that's just my guess. I think there's going to be all sorts of stuff that he's better at that maybe Mario can put into words for us. Uh, but I wonder how easy it'll be. You know, and they're going to protect him, obviously, which they should. You know, so right. uh, so I don't think we're going to see the full the full Adrian until the fall. Yeah, because it's yeah. I mean, it's it'll it'll just be fun with the spring game too, because those guys are going to be in green jerseys, and you know he's going to be running all over, extending plays with that green jersey on, and and I, I just I can see the hype train trundling down the tracks even more than it already is right now. I think the I think the battle for number two is gonna be pretty interesting. I mean I, I think Between whom? I don't know. Um I'm not counting out even McCaffrey, you know. I'm Novedril is gonna have to do some things better than he did. I think he was rusty last year when he got out there and I'm that's kind of expected because of his whole situation. I mean here's a guy who didn't even probably think he was gonna get eligible or be allowed to play in any games and then suddenly he's out there a little bit and I, I I think the rush showed so he's got a lot to prove too because and Andrew Bunch is a guy who you know he he took a trip through the portal <laughs> I want to hear from Bunch what the portal yeah. was like what was it like <laughs> was the food good there yeah like <laughs> give a description of that and uh 
but he popped back over here. So he, he you know, he's thinking he can be that guy. He like emerged from a cloud of smoke. <laughs> the doors airlock <laughs> opened up. That's pretty much how I picture it. Yeah. Yeah. The the federal thing, Keith struggled for sure. And so I am I am curious with that. Brunts, we discussed was it last week or two weeks ago about whether McCaffrey would even travel? Oh yeah, um, mm-hmm. as to how many guys they would have there, and some of that's dependent on if Bunch, I guess, is on the roster still. But it's a totally different discussion about quarterbacks this spring because you you have your guy for once. There's no competition discussion. There's no, and so it's yeah. There's no even like what happens if he gets hurt kind of thing because you you have competent people back there that you know obviously aren't Heisman candidates but it's a it's a different feel for the program than what since I guess Tommy Armstrong basically mm-hmm. when you could just pencil that in so it's a that's kind of unique in itself that you know for the last several years a lot of the discussion has just been based on well who's going to be the guy at quarterback so it, it that changes your outlook of your spring in a lot of ways to me. I really, like, your program. I like it, too. I mean, I like that because it makes everybody go to other areas. Yeah. And there's a plenty of other areas that are that are fun, you know, this spring. So I'm, I think it's a good thing. I, I think the running backs are going to be really interesting this spring because yeah. you don't have guys like Ramir Johnson or, you know, Diedrich Mills yet. So that room, you know, Wyatt Mazur, Jalen Bradley – Washington, the Miles Jones, they're all going to get a lot of opportunity to kind of showcase themselves as to why they still deserve to be in the rotation or still deserve to be thought highly of as to what Nebraska's going to do at running back. So that room in particular is heightened of interest. Wide receiver, obviously, for all of the reasons that have been mentioned prior to this podcast, during this podcast, and in future podcasts. But I... I think running back, you got some guys there that it's either you show up now if you're Jalen Bradley or you're going to be talking to Andrew Bunch about where's the best spot to get lunch in the transfer portal. So it's uh, – Sabaro. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> yeah. I think that's the best in the portal in the food court. <laughs> Do you think you get the stromboli or the giant slice? I think you go giant slice. Nice. Nice. Well – I mean, we'll we'll have to check in with those guys as to the quality of the Sabaro. But when I was in high school, I didn't think there was much better than Sabaro. Now that you're out of high school, I I haven't had I haven't had it in like five years. But yeah. But, but I mean, do you do you think there's better than Sabaro? I, I do, life? I do, I do. I'm not I'm not like it was Michael a big Scott deal. who thinks it's the best slice yeah, in New York. York slice. I mean, it's uh, as a someone from a town that didn't have one you go to a food court and you're just like wow there's certain things that popped up like it was probably in my high school years when at first you saw that in a mall and you're like holy crap look at the size of that pepperoni pizza that's, you know and that's what the design i think of the <laughs> restaurant is just to shock and awe you with the size of their pizza the quality is indifferent <laughs> yeah the you're always getting a big slice yeah well, where else do we want to go with this? We have any other curiosities, but not really curiosities, but kind of curiosities. Uh, intriguing or interesting things. Yes. The <laughs> it, you can't really watch this. It's more of how they talk about it. It's more of if they mention names. The coverage unit was terrible for large portions of last year. Special teams was bad last year. 
I think for Nebraska to make any sort of jump, they have to be significantly better in terms of punt coverage, kick coverage, punting, net field position, uh, all of those things. I mean, it's not the fun, super exciting stuff to talk about in the spring, but I think it's a really big part of their program. That's where depth helps you. Right. right. Like I think in talking about like the safety position, guys that are second on that group, those are going to be your guys on special teams. Guys are you know, in that mix at outside linebacker. Those are your special teams guys. I mean, they they do have to be much better there. I, I always – you always kind of hesitate on that stuff during spring ball because it's, it's so hard to know because they're not doing it live a lot. It's hard to get information. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't I that's gonna be I, I think a big focus in fall camp is finding somebody that can be a difference maker back there. And I think they've got the guys to do it. I mean, I'm guessing you'll probably see Wandale Robinson back there in some form or fashion. Miles Jones probably in that conversation. Mm-hmm. So they've at least got options. All right. Well what do you say, Schaefer? Well, we get into a little little more baseball talk, or did you cover all of that with the no, they won't play any games in March? It's it's never happening. Like They're just done. They're just not playing home games. They're, they're going to barnstorm. Pull the stakes, put the tent down, it's over. Yep, circus is going out of town. So what? here's a question. So you, Nebraska goes and gets swept in four games by Oregon State after basically taking it to UC Riverside for – uh, three game. They won. They went three and one. I mean, they they probably could have won that that fourth game too. But what? Uh, it it feels to me it's like okay, you look great against a bad team. You look bad against a great team. What 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 do we know about you? And it to me is still not much. Right. Yeah. I mean, this tournament will be interesting to see what they take from playing. I mean, Oregon State is going to be the best team they play all year, right? They played. They they faced. Two first-team preseason All-Americans and starting pitchers right. in a doubleheader. Yeah. I, and and got on base against them, by the way. Some guy was tweeting at me about how, you know, Nebraska is going to face some above-average pitchers like this again. And I was like, above-average pitching? These guys are going to be, you know, in the first five rounds of a draft. Like, right. what, are we, what are we actually saying here? So, the Big Ten doesn't have that level of arms. Minnesota, there, there's Minnesota some has good a, pitchers, a couple guys, but that's But it. they're not that. No. I mean, they're not guys that are, you know, first day draft types. I I'm curious how this tournament goes for them. There were some people that that took a big step back in their production against Oregon State. I'm a little bit disappointed for them that they weren't able to scratch out more runs in this. I know that you're facing good pitching, but there was times and there was opportunity. It wasn't like they didn't get people on base at times either, and so that's going to be a big thing and. You just have to build from it. I mean, they're three and five at this point. They're probably not going to roll out of that tournament with a great record. And the concerning thing was going to be how inconsistent is the month of March going to be for you in terms of getting games in. It was. I, I was interested after that game that Darren Erstad was somewhat out of, not out of form for him, but he, I mean, he questioned his players' effort a little bit and guys' willingness to compete. And I don't recall him doing that this early in the season for sure, but I, I think he's always kind of taken the the major league approach of kind of putting it on himself. And I, I think that 
in some ways, he's trying to send a message to a team that's kind of got a really weird makeup because you've got so many young and new guys. You've got some guys who have played a lot of baseball for you on that roster and not much in between. And, you know, that, that'll be that, – that's the intriguing part of this tournament where you're facing Texas Tech, Mississippi State, and Sam Houston State is do you get consistent effort out of your guys against, once again, really top competition? Yeah, and it's rough when – what they traded the Baylor series now, where you got to go to Waco for it. Yeah. I mean, you got to be they, you got to be pretty mentally tough, you know, to deal with some of this weather crap right now. I mean, it's a real problem for them, I think. Well, it's so you've got you've got to go to Baylor for three, which that was going to be a tough series, anyways. And and you're right. I mean, you come home and you're playing in baseball games in thirty degree weather. It sucks. I mean, there, there's yeah. nothing, you know. It's something that teams in the North deal with, but it's when you when you're trying to find your mojo, I think it's kind of tough to do that sometimes when you're freezing your ass off. No, yeah. you just got swept. Welcome back. To <laughs> two de- it's two degrees. Yeah, here's your shovel. Take <laughs> shovel and help out. Hit the infield. Yeah, that was the one thing about Buck Belzer, though. I tweeted that early this week. You just needed a snowblower to get that thing ready to go. <laughs> a couple passes on uh, on the old concrete. Never saw Buck Belter, or was never at a game there or anything. So, wind howled out of the north. Hosted a super regional once. Yeah, <laughs> there yeah. that was that was fun. The, the, the only thing I know about Buck Belter is when they showed highlights in one of the Nebraska videos of Darren Erstad's home run that apparently like broke a window in a car. Was it him? I always thought it was Ken Harvey. I thought it was uh, Erstad because it was part of their football video, so okay. Ken Harvey wouldn't have been part of that, but. I don't know. I could just be combining two different stories at this point. I'm too lazy to check to see if there's any accuracy there either. People can tweet at us. They'll they, know. They People will know. Yeah. The listeners will know. They oh, won a game know. at Buck Belzer against like Chicago State or something like 50 to three one time too. That was, was a doubleheader too. <laughs> <laughs> that was under Van Horn though, right? Uh, yeah. That wasn't a John Sanders no. special. It's Sanders, right? Sanders. Yeah, he was. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, they weren't playing like Doan that day. <laughs> No, they leave that to Iowa now. Yeah. yeah. Right, well, when we uh, return next week, hopefully I have a tan, and uh, you know we'll see if the weather is over ten degrees here. So, nope, no, it won't be. That's disappointing. Well, we'll have football to talk about. We'll have met Tony Tuioti. Mm-hmm. I think I've said it most. You got it mostly right. Yeah. Most yeah. of it. Yeah. We'll have Nebraska's coaches to check in on. And all of that stuff and more can be found at Husker 24-7.